0: Alright, welcome everyone to another episode of Why Did I Like It? I'm the nefarious Mike A. Sims. And today, I'm going to touch on something that's very integral to my, my not childhood, but my youth. Is it, is it youth? I guess it's youth. Today, I'm going to discuss why did I like teenage movies from the 90s. Now, I actually did research for this topic, um, which is very unlike me. But I had a fascination with teenage comedies. Now, if you're asking what a teenage comedy is, it's basically any comedy that has a younger cast. They were usually in their 20s, but they were portraying high school students who would take place in a school and it would have the same kind of story tropes that uh, would be repeated over and over again. You know, like the nerd girl would secretly be beautiful. The nerd would would be kind of charismatic. The jock would be uh, sometimes a heart of gold or just a straight up evil bully. And so on and so forth. So I loved these kinds of movies when I was uh, younger. I, it really started in middle school, which was around... Like, I, I graduated middle school in the 2000s. I hate saying how old I am. No, I don't hate it. I don't hate it. I don't know if people are like, oh, I don't want to say how old I am. It's not going to... People going to look at you and be like, well, he's probably... I mean, yeah. In some cases, they don't know. But for the most part, people be like, okay, that dude is clearly in his 40s. No one's going to be like... <laughs> at a 40-year-old like, is he 25? <laughs> like anyway but yeah i love these movies i absolutely um used to chase them down <laughs> i used to chase them down i really did i would seek out newer ones when i'd finish one uh, but anyway so i did some research and i compiled the list of ones that were released primarily in the '90s. no act- actually only in the 90s that way it could be you know consistent and i'm gonna go to my personal top 10 they're not in yeah, I mean, I guess they're, they're in top 10 order. Let's just get right to it. First and foremost, at number 10, is Class Act from 1992. Now, this starred Kid and Play. <laughs> Sorry, it reminded me of this thing from this movie. But Kid and Play was a hip-hop duo that were famous for just being really young and having very opposing styles. Uh, one, one dude was like the laid-back, smooth player, and the other one, I mean, play, was the player? He was like yeah, you know, I'm play. What up, baby girl? And then there was kid who was like, hey guys, how are you? And they, they their dichotomy worked because they were just so affable, they were so likable. You know, play wasn't. I mean, yeah, he was trying to get girls, but he wasn't like overly aggressive. Where it might be a you know a situation. Kid was um, he was he was just so goofy and so silly. Um, they're actually still together to this day, uh, which is awesome. But Class Act was a movie about them switching places where play. Was about to, you know, lose his. He was about to fail out of school, and Kid is a was an honor student. So Play paid Kid to take his place. You know, whatever shenanigans ensued. Both of the leads were, are not work because they're not dead. Are also uh, black, so that was a uh, oh it's Black History Month tie-in. There we go. That was cool for somebody who was uh, also that to see. Uh, you know, black teenagers uh, just. Kind of like one nerdy and one cool, just being friends and everything. And uh, also, Hillary was in it from Fresh Prince. So that was also a plus. At number nine, I have never been kissed from 1999. Now, my evil overlord actually has a personal connection to the star of this movie. I don't know if he's going to cut this out. It is what it is. But um, it was starring Drew Barrymore. (laughs) This movie is so stupid when I say it like this. Drew Barrymore starred as a journalist who was like, I don't know, 30 or something like that, who went to high school to basically, I think, see what high schoolers were like in, in the 90s. I, I don't really know why she went undercover, but she went undercover and she you know, was was lame at first because she was lame in actual high school. There's like a fantastic scene in the beginning of the movie where Drew Barrymore, her character standing outside of her house waiting for this, this hot guy, quote unquote, to take her to prom and the hot guy <laughs> drives by in the limo and just murks her with eggs. Like he just pelts <laughs> and she's crying. And it's supposed to be a sad scene, but because of how it just looks, like she's a nerd. So like she has braces, she has an ugly dress on, her hair is terrible and he's just wailing her <laughs> with eggs <laughs> relentlessly. relentlessly. Um, but the movie, it, it, it's in my, my top 10 because... David Arquette plays her brother and I love David Arquette. So he was also former WCW World Heavyweight Champion and everything with this show eventually ties back to wrestling despite me trying not to have that happen. Number eight, coming back into play, get it? Well, you don't get it yet. But Kid and Play with House Party from 1990. Now House Party, okay, the barometer that I used was that it would have to take place in a high school, each movie, at least one scene just to have it be a team movie because there was a lot that I looked at where they took place in... Different venues and the cast were teenagers, but it, it didn't have the, the the essence of a teenage movie where this is a high schooler trying to navigate their prepubescent or pubescent relationships or whatever it was. So I was like, eh, no, it doesn't really count. But in a house party, it's exemplary of that because it it's about a house party. Play, of course, is throwing a party because he's the cool one. And kid sneaks out of his father's house to go to this party because the girl he likes is going to be there. So kid and play. And the movie is really just one of those like, chill movies where a bunch of stuff happens and it's a bunch of of very quotable scenes and a bunch of uh, memeable, gifable moments. But, you know, the the plot doesn't really matter. It's just like a, a hangout movie. The most prominent thing from this movie, though, is the kid and play dance. There's a dance battle scene where kid and play go up against... I can't remember her name. She's an actress from from Martin and another actress, these two uh, ladies, and they go back and forth and kid and play turn. They do this this move where they basically synchronize their feet. You know what? For another movie that's coming up soon, I just realized that there's a lot of choreographed dance in teenage movies. And that's I, I don't know if I'm just realizing this now. I you know what? I don't know if it's gonna do this, but it's rant time. I believe that when you were an actor back in the night in the golden age of silver age what do you want to call it, back in the 19 you know 40s or 50s with you know Humphrey Bogart, Cary Grant, Gene Kelly, you had to know how to sing, dance and and act, honestly, you had to be a triple threat no matter what happened. And these studios would sign you to these deals where you we locked in to do like a musical and then a drama, then a comedy and, you know, so on and so forth. And Disney kind of did the same thing with the cast from high school musical, where they would kind of lock them in and they'd give them three seasons of a TV show or something like that and make sure that they could dance, act and sing. And I feel like there are so many talented actors from these teenage years that could do all of them that we just didn't know about because they'd get typecasted. Once Hollywood got away from I mean, which which was good because the contract thing was actually very predatory. But, once, we got, once Hollywood got away from, you know, making people be more talented, you had this influx of like reality stars or like very bad musicians doing acting roles that were just kind of falling flat. Like Ashanti was in a Resident Evil movie. Paris Hilton was in House of Wax. And it just ended up being this thing where it was like, man, anybody just thinks as long as they are some level of fame or notoriety, they can just act because it's the easiest thing. So people stopped being triple threats and they were like, they would do something else get popular in that and then be like, well, I'm going to go act now. And it just always drove me crazy because it's like, no, acting is more than just pretending to be someone else. There's a whole process to getting ready for your character or, or getting your character ready for the screen, whether it's small or big. Rant's over. <clears throat> anyway, <laughs> so House Party is a dope movie. Plus, uh, Martin Lawrence is in it also. And he yells switch, which is great. Uh, number seven. Now, this one I, I actually struggle with. It's She's all that. Like I, it was it was it was up and down for me because I do like Freddie Prince Jr. And I love Rachel Leigh Cook as the nerdy girl who uh ends up being beautiful at the end because she didn't realize that she was pretty all along. She's a lot came out in nineteen ninety-nine, by the way. And um and, like the whole premise is that you know, Freddie Prince Jr. makes a bet that he could turn any like lame girl <laughs> into like uh, prom queen, and so he chooses Uh, Rachel Leigh Cook, who is a very beautiful actress. So it's kind of like, well, I mean, you didn't really... Also, it's wildly misogynistic to think that, like, (laughs) the bet is based around, like, can I make her hot? Which is, like, that would never fly nowadays. They did do a reverse of it in an updated version where it's called He's All That, where this young lady tried to make Charlie Gardner, Tyler Buchanan, whatever you want to call him, into a hot guy. But again, he was already hot. He just wore, like, lame clothes. So I love the movie because... In the, like ushers in it which is also a big selling point he plays the dj and there's a choreographed dance scene getting back to my earlier point where for some reason the entire school is just in sync with this thing not in sync the band in sync as an in synchronization you know you know what i'm talking about and um yeah so so it's it's a great movie as a whole but if you start to think like all these movies too much about it you're just kind of like oh well that's that really is just misogynistic and would they actually stay together let's, let's move on from there. takes me to number six which is Actually, the first teenage movie I've ever seen, Clueless, in 1995. Clueless centers around a rich girl, played by Alicia Silverstone, her and her best friend, played by <laughs> Stacey Dash. Just Google Stacey Dash. It's just a funny thing to do. Um, no shade, no no, whatever. Just Google Stacey Dash and just see what she does on a regular basis. She's a, a very entertaining person just by existing. And they are uh, two teenagers who are very vapid, very vain, and... They uh I guess Alicia Silverstone eventually um kind of dates her former stepbrother. It's very strange. But the reason why I love this movie is because of Breckin Meyer, who played Travis, who was this the skater guy who fell in love with the the new girl to the school, who was played by the late Brittany Murphy. So Brittany Murphy is the new girl, whatever. Um Breckin Meyer plays Travis. He's like a stoner kind of character. And um Uh, They like each other, but then the popular girls say, no, don't go for him, whatever. The point is that Breckenmeyer's character just always stuck out to me because he was just so chill. And there's this one scene where he just kind of jumps off of something onto a group of people and is like, what did you think? And it's just a, it's such a weird scene because it it doesn't mean anything. But Brittany Murphy is like, that was really cool. (laughs) It's like, okay. So yeah, moving on. Number five, we have one of my favorite movies of all time, Mall Mallrats. Now this was a Kevin Smith movie, so there was a ton of just foul mouth dialogue. He's a director who uses a lot of curses and is very heavy on nerd influence. So comic book culture, sci fi culture, all that good stuff is peppered throughout his movies. But Mallrats is about well, two guys, not really a crew, two guys. Uh, one of which breaks up with his girl. They both break up with their girlfriends the night before. One gets dumped. No, they both got dumped actually, and they decide to take out their their sadness on the mall, or they go to the mall to eradicate their sadness. Anyway, it has Jason Lee, uh, he of, I guess, Chipmunk's fame, and Ben Affleck as, as, <laughs> as a mall store manager. He's a retail manager. And he actually says the line, I don't care for people with no shopping agenda. So he hates one of the main characters because Jason Lee comes to the mall and just hangs out. And Ben Affleck cannot stand the fact that this man is not buying anything. <laughs> He's like, you have no shopping agenda. You should not be in this mall, which is fantastic. Also, baby birds, it's time to to uh, feed you a little bit from Big Eagle. Big Eagle! So when stores started going into areas where they can all kind of coexist, they would kind of be near each other, not in the same building as we know it now as the mall, and the shops would all be near, and... People would say, you know, like where are you going? I'm going to this shop and going to that shop. And they would kind of like, you know, separate it all together, but all the shops in one sit one area. So in conversation, it would just casually turn into, well, where which store are you going to? Well, I'm going to them all. I'm going to them all. Eventually evolved into the mall. That's actually true. You guys can look it up. Number four. Now, this this kind of like, just like house party, kind of puts my whole barometer into question. Because also Rats was ninety five. Number four is Good Burger. That was ninety seven. Good Burger was like one of the first movies that my parents let me go to by myself, and it's about two kids. It does start out in school. It starts out in the school first because Sinbad, this comedian, plays the teacher, and one of the characters, Keenan, who's on SNL and has been a, a was a fixture of Nickelodeon back in the day, he takes his mother's car or something like that, crashes the car after school into Sinbad, his teacher, and has to get a summer job to pay for the damages. This was the 90s. It was either the mafia or your parents getting mad at you. There was really no middle ground for kids' shows. And so he starts working at Good Burger, which is basically like a, a trash McDonald's slash Burger King kind of, like, combo. And they open up a Mondo Burger across the street, which is like a Dave & Buster's type super, <laughs> super fast food chain <laughs> that makes huge burgers. <laughs> like... These premises are so stupid. <laughs> I'm saying it back to back but these premises are so dumb. <laughs> because <they laughs> I work at the good burger. I got to take down Mondo Burger. These premises are so stupid. I got I work at the good burger home of the good burger cannot take your order oh, who's that across the street it's the mondo burger we gotta stop them because we can't just coexist i can't tell you how many times i've driven down the street and i've seen a taco bell across the street from a burger king or like across from like a wendy's but for some reason in this movie they were like we, we, we gotta stop them. <laughs> i'm so sorry this is like my my third time doing this recording because I keep giggling at how silly these premises are and it's it's difficult to get through when you break them down to people. So Good Burger was one of my favorite movies uh, growing up because Kel Mitchell played, I forgot the dude's name, but he was basically like a, he was supposed to be a stoner surfer guy who's like, dude, and he had a song called I'm a Dude, which I can't sing because I don't want to, you know, copyright. And he was just very, he had braids and he was very dumb but he was, he had a heart of gold. So like him and Keenan, they they go on this adventure to to stop Mondo Burger. And it's just, it's just great. Number three is, okay, this might be a little bit of a cheat, but like, it's still a teen movie. It's called The Faculty. And it's actually a teen comedy slash horror movie because it's a, first of all, it, it, if you look up the cast of, of The Faculty, it's like Josh Hartnett, it's Elijah Wood, it's, John Stewart from The Daily Show before Trevor Noah. There's a ton of, like, Salma Hayek is in it. Robert Patrick, who played the T-1000 in Terminator 2, like it's a stacked cast. Like this is crazy. Actually, a lot of these teenage movies are. So if you look back at the ones that I'm saying to you, you'll see. And the fact that this came out in 1999. Um, it was about, these students who find out that their teachers are actually being overrun by like body snatchers, aliens who are like living inside of them and controlling their actions. And so they have to stop them. Sean Hotz is also in it, who was in Animal Kingdom. Great show. And so they have to figure out how to stop the invasion before they take over the whole world. Jordana Brewster from Fast and Furious is Cylinder. I don't want to keep naming these actors. And it's, a, it's a great movie. It's supposed to be a horror movie, but it's more of like a thriller because it, there's no jump scares per se. There are some moments, but okay, Ah, another rant time. Brian, put another rant time in here, if you you deem it uh, possible. So in the 90s, especially after Scream came out, Scream came out in like 95 or something like that. Scream was a horror movie that made fun of all other horror movies from the 70s and 80s by like mocking the tropes, but also like kind of playing around with them. And but the cast was young and hip. It was like Nev Campbell, Drew Barrymore was on the cover, whatever have you, Jamie Kennedy, Matthew Lillard. So they were they were young, they were hip, they were good looking. And all subsequent sequels would repeat this casting trope of just putting like the hottest and I mean like visually actors into these movies. So that made the 90s horror movies more obsessed with just putting <laughs> sexy people into kind of horror situations, but nothing too gory, nothing too scary, nothing too violent. It would just end up being like they'd get stabbed once by a killer and just pass away or they'd run and fall through some glass like then you had like like you know what and also who okay you also had musicians being in these movies because brandy was in a horror movie called i still know what you did last summer which was a sequel to a movie you guys can look it up uh usher was in the faculty you know what this episode is gonna be called (laughs) t movies and usher how the 90s were one the, anyway, so just to end this rant, I, but everything just had to be hip and sexy. You could, Like even, <laughs> they brought back Dracula, who was played by Gerard Butler, by the way, from 300 fame. And the cover of the DVD that I that I bought, or the VHS, no DVD that I bought of Dracula 2000 when it came out, it was called Dracula 2000. It said, hip and sexy. And this was the third DVD that I'd bought because I'd also bought Scream and, you know, some other horror movie, the faculty, that said hip and sexy. And I was like, can we just get scary again? And and horror movies would not really get scary again until The Ring in like the 2000s. And then they started to just kind of copy the Japanese horror, the J-horror kind of stuff. But anyway, rant over. But The Faculty is an awesome movie though. Definitely check that out. Number two, then this is one of my favorite movies of all time, 100%. 10 Things I Hate About You. 10 Things I Hate About You helped to, to define how I looked at high school because Julia Stiles plays a girl who had dated a popular guy in the past. He ended up being a jerk, so she kind of swore off you know, doing that again in high school until she'd meet an elevated group of people. Her younger sister is very popular, very vapid and wants to date all the hot popular guys. But the father decides, you know what? Since you're so date happy to the younger sister, you can only date when the older sister dates. And the older sister is like, I'm not doing it. So Then it starts this whole journey where the younger sister meets a guy who she likes and then meets another guy who likes her. And she uses Joseph Gordon-Levitt. She uses Joseph Gordon-Levitt to make this whole plan to get Heath Ledger, the late great Heath Ledger, to seduce the older sister to then subsequently allow the younger sister to date. It sounds convoluted because I'm saying a plot. But this movie is absolutely fantastic. The performances are awesome. They were from a cast that was hot at the time. That actually, well, you know, aside from Heath Ledger passing away, they still are. Uh, Julia Stiles, uh, Larissa Oleonik. Was that her name? Yeah. Gabrielle Union is in it. It's a very great movie. And then the final scene of Julia Stiles telling Heath Ledger why she hates him the 10 things in the subsequent title that she hates about him, is just, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. I, re, I actually revisited a lot. And number one, I probably should have put 10 things I hate about you in the number one slot, but number one is Can't Hardly Wait, which came out in 1998. Now, I graduated middle school in 2000, right? So I was in eighth grade, so I was, I was 13 going on 14. So I just started to actually look at the opposite sex as you know potential partners i had like before i was just upset i mean i still am obsessed with comics video games and you know all that good stuff as you can see i wrote all this out i'm showing the cameras right now for those of you who listen to the podcast chuck those out of here and um can't hardly wait the first trailer i saw for can't hardly wait had ethan Embry telling this beautiful girl that he loved played by jennifer love hewitt who actually worked with in a an episode of law and order svu years ago how he felt about her, and they dramatized it so much, and they had "How's It Gonna Be" by Third Eye Blind in the background. That's this, you know the song that's very slow and melodic, and it was it was so it was it was so dramatic that I was like, oh my gosh, is that what being a teenager is? And a lot of these movies tended to end at the prom for the most part, and well, not the ones that I picked, but the teenage movies usually did. Like the ones that I picked ended all over the place. I mean, <laughs> good- ah, good burger. darn it, darn it! I was trying to be so. Ah, I gotta get Goodberg out of my head. It's, my, it's Mantor all over again. It's Mantor! Sorry. Oh, sorry. Okay. I said to get that out of my system. Otherwise, I would not be able to record anymore. <laughs> so, a lot of these movies ended in very strange places. Goodberg ended with the destruction of Mondo Burger. But, but a lot of these teenage movies would also have a scene that was very exciting and that was usually the party scene. There's a house party scene. For example, 10 Things I Hate About You has a very classic scene where Julia Stiles, when she agrees to go to a party with Heath Ledger and her younger sister, Joseph gordon she gets drunk because she doesn't want to be there and so she starts dancing on a table to a Biggie song. This scene is, is iconic. And so... The producers of Can't Hardly Wait saw all these like party scenes and movies and was like, that's the most exciting scene in the movie. So let's just make a whole movie based on the party. So the entire movie of Can't Hardly Wait takes place at a party scene, at a high school party scene after graduation. So it does start in a school, kind of. It's on the field for graduation. And this one guy has had this letter that he's written for Jennifer. Ethan Embry has this letter for Jennifer Love Hewitt that he's written back in like the first day that she was transferred to the school and he's carried it around with him to try and give it to her. But she started dating this jerk, basically, known as Mike Dexter. And also, if you watch this movie, just look at how many like stars are in this movie. Uh, again, it's fantastic. Sean Patrick Thomas. Uh, I can't name all of them. Anyway, there's a lot of stars in it. Just look it up. And um, so he holds onto this letter for the entire party and then... He finally tries to tell Jennifer Love Hewitt how he feels. But at this point, she'd been, you know, hit on, because she breaks up with her jerk boyfriend the day of graduation. So she comes to the party single. And every single guy is like trying to holler at her. And Jennifer Love Hewitt is just over it. She's like, my goodness, like, guys, like, come on. I've been single for like, as she says, I've been single for like, God, five minutes. And you think, because one time back in high school, we hung out that I'm just going to screw you. It's, It's a very intense scene. And poor Ethan Embry is so heartbroken that he leaves the party. And then Jennifer Love Hewitt finds the letter that Ethan Embry wrote. She doesn't know who he is because she's popular and he's, I guess, normal. And then she asks some guy, and then she sees Ethan Embry's picture in a a yearbook, and then she realizes who he is. And she's like, oh my gosh, that's the guy I was just horribly mean to. So he's going to some college, whatever. The point is, watching this whole thing unfolds, as someone who had no frame of reference for high school, that shaped what I thought would happen. I thought I was gonna like, like if, <laughs> if there was a hot girl who had a crush on, I was just gonna like write some weird letter and then give it to her, and she'd be like, "Oh my gosh!" First of all, I know she sounds so deep, but oh my gosh, I didn't know it was you, Mike. Now I tried to write girls' letters. Let me tell you from firsthand experience they are not impressed by letters. Maybe they are now. Maybe there are some girls who are impressed by letters. But I will tell you that my letter that I wrote to a girl was was used mockingly. Now, if I didn't overcome my trauma from that, which I, I, I clearly did, as you can tell by me stuttering and hesitating on ending the story, um, then I would have I fallen to pieces. But instead, it led me to emo music. So, yeah. Uh... <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't have put this one number one. Maybe I should have put can't hardly wait number two because I, I I feel like I had a, a more upbeat ending on ten things I hate about you. But in the in the long run, I I did love like the character arc of, of Ethan Embry, you know, falling in love with this girl and they got together at the end. So maybe sometime later on, writing a letter to somebody would have worked. Maybe not when I didn't know what high school was going to be about and probably shouldn't have used. Movies as a frame of reference, but you live and you learn, uh, or maybe you don't. I don't know. But either way, I'm going to put a button in this episode by saying why did I like teen movies from the '90s? Because they made high school seem like the possibilities were endless, but that the fun was also just exponential. uh did they hold up to this day? Oh yeah, I watched. Can't hardly wait. The other day, still love that movie. I'm about to go watch Ten Things I Hate About You right now, just because I I love that movie also please check out every single movie that I named. I'm going to put... No, I'm not going to do that. Just go <laughs> back and listen. I was going to put it in the description. First of all, you guys aren't going to look, and I'm not going to do it. So let's just cut out the middle man and just say we're not going to do it. Um, but yeah, like if you watch all the movies that I named, you will have a blast with each one. And um, would I still watch them today? Absolutely. Like I said before, I'm going to watch 10 Things I Hate About You as soon as I sign off this podcast, assuming the overlord is not angry with me. But the time has been far spent. We're about at 28 minutes right now. So I'm going to... Cut this short and just say, I've been the nefarious Mike A. Sims. Of course, you can follow me on Instagram at Mike A. Sims, on TikTok at Mike A. Sims. Uh, you can also follow the podcast network at People's Media Network on Instagram to see all the other cool shows that we have available for you. You've been fantastic, and I will see you on the flip side of humanity.